Welcome, 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 welcome to yet another episode of Don't Be Broke, Be Woke. I'm your host, Adrian Solomon. Excited to have you guys here today for a very exciting episode, a very different episode. Last week, had Jemai Edwards as, as our guest discussing um, financial literacy. Hope you enjoy that. This week, we're going into the world of real estate, specifically real estate investing, and kind of diving into the question of how do I invest, or at least how do I get into the real estate market without having a, a huge amount of capital? Because of course, that's, that's typically the issue, right? You want to be able to go ahead and invest in properties, but the idea has always been to actually buy a house or buy a, a condo or buy a duplex of some kind. So that way you can make money off the appreciation or rental income, et cetera. So I'm here to just kind of talk about the other aspect when it comes to getting into the real estate market without actually having to have the money to buy property. So first, before we get started, as kind of a rule of thumb with the podcast, please make sure that you're always doing your own research. All of the information that I'm discussing are for informational purposes only. So I'm not providing any investing advice on what I think you should do, but at least some information as what I think you should be doing in regards to research so that you know the best options that are available out there for you when it comes to diversifying your portfolio, at least getting started with uh, an investing portfolio. So when you hear the words invest in real estate, typically what comes to mind, you think of a primary home, a secondary home, maybe rental property, luxury hotel, uh, plot of land, whichever. So if you've kind of invested in stocks and bonds and any other commodities, or if you have an IRA or even some kind of retirement fund through your work, you may only associate investing in real estate with owning and selling physical properties or making money on rental income, right? Kind of what I was just discussing. And for a lot of us, this just seems out of reach, right? Not a lot of us have the capital necessary for a second home. Specifically, I mean the second home. Now, if you're a married couple, for example, you could take a loan for the first property, but just do it in a, on the primary person, only one person's on the actual loan. And then that way it leaves the spouse available or eligible to be a first-time homeowner on the second property, right? So that's definitely an option that you can go if indeed, because of course, First-time home buyers get certain advantages as far as owning their first house compared to someone who already own houses. But anyways, don't want to really dive into that part of it. Just wanted to give a little bit of, of insight on that. But the real good news is investing in the real estate market is a little bit more realistic than you actually may realize. And funny enough, it's actually becoming a very popular way to invest, specifically with the younger generation. In fact, millennials are more than twice as likely to prefer investing in real estate than boomers. That is to say, boomers will probably prefer doing it by buying property, whereas the millennial looks at it as it's too much work and I can still invest in real estate without actually having to go ahead and buy a house and be a property manager, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you do that, right? Real estate, obviously the price of homes are skyrocketing. Rent costs is pretty high. And so how do you get into this market? Like, you know, how do you get into this part of, of investing in the real estate? And it's simple. It's, it's real estate investment trust. 
or as many of us know it as REITs. So let's dive into the definition of a REIT and we'll dive a little bit more about how you can get started. But really, a REIT is a company that owns and typically it operates a real estate property that generates income, right? So those properties can exist in a number of different sectors. You can have healthcare facilities, apartment complexes, retail centers, 5G towers, for example. You can even have like the storage of healthcare devices. I mean, you name it. So the way REITs work and the way you as an investor would make money from them is actually really quite simple. So the REIT owns and typically manages the space and it leases that space to a tenant, right? The REIT actually collects the rent from its tenant and then that money, they redistribute that income in the form of dividends to the invested shareholders. And then of course, you pay the income tax on their ending. You pay income tax on that earnings. I'm not going to get into like qualifying as a REIT tax wise because it's a little bit more complex and all that other stuff. But that in itself is really like the way you get in. And that's the beauty of it. It's the actual REIT will pay you for actually having money inside the REIT. And we'll dive into that in a minute. So to qualify as a REIT, in other words, for a company to be qualified as a REIT, they have to comply with kind of a number of requirements set by the IRS. So the IRS sets the specific requirements, which then qualifies that company as a REIT. One, these are included but not limited, right? 75% of the total assets must be invested in real estate. So if you had $100 invested in various assets, 75% of it has to be in real estate. That's one of the requirements for that REIT to be qualified, that company to be qualified as a REIT. At least 75% of the gross income must come from rent collected from real property, interest on mortgages, financing real property or sales of real estate tax. So again, if you have a hundred bucks, 75 of it has to come from the gross income from the rent that you're collecting from these real property, the interest on the mortgage financing on the real property or any sale of real estate, right? Now, this is the best part. 90%, at least 90% of the taxable income that these REITs get must be returned to shareholders as dividend each year. Boom. Like 90%. You have to have minimum of 100% shareholders and have no more than 50% of its share owned by five or few individuals. The last two pieces, they don't impact you particularly, but I just wanted to give you some idea of what really qualifies companies to be REITs, right? The first three things are really the meat and potato of it all. Personally, as I learn more and more about REITs, it's just an additional way you can incorporate real estate holdings into your portfolio to add diversification, right? And REIT investments make it really easy to do that. And honestly, because so many investors generate wealth through high dividend yields, I think it's like something like approximately 80 something million Americans are invested in REIT stocks. So dividend yields, I had, you know, I talked about how you can actually make passive income in one, one time. If you actually could get dividend yields generated by owning stocks or a fund or REITs, it actually helps to grow your money. And eventually as you retire, it actually can become income for you 
if you have a lot of shares of that particular stock, company, or REIT, right? So there are two types of REITs in the market. There's different sectors, like I just mentioned. But regardless of that, you actually classify the REIT as an equity REIT, which is probably what we we're going to talk about the most and also the most common and mortgage REITs. So the real estate investment trust REITs, they're the most common. The company owns and manages the income producing real estate. The majority of the income comes from collecting rent and they may also make money through property sales, right? They're typically publicly traded and so they're listed on some kind of an exchange. The shares are bought and sold by investors like stocks. You actually can actually get either a specific REIT, like a stock. You can actually get a REIT ETF, exchange traded fund that has a bunch of different REITs in it, or a REIT mutual fund, which is, again, just like REIT ETF. The difference, of course, is the ETF is going to be traded like stock where the mutual fund is not. And because it's publicly traded, it's regulated by the SEC or the Securities and Exchange Commission. So there's a little bit more visibility there. There are some REITs that are public non-traded. They're still registered with the SEC, but they're not traded on national stock exchange. So if you want to invest, you have to buy shares through a broker who's participating in that specific REIT offering. So that's a little bit different. Mortgage REITs are commonly known as MREITs, and the company itself doesn't own the property itself. They provide loans or mortgages to real estate owners and earn income on the interest earned, right? So that's very different than equity REITs. So these guys are not publicly traded. They're private. Generally, they're exempt from registering with the SEC. They're not traded on any kind of exchange. And it's typically sold to a select group of investors. Now, there are also some public non-traded ones, but for the basic of this particular episode, we're really going to talk more about equity REITs. So to go back, equity REITs and mortgage REITs, they can fall into any one of these three categories, the publicly traded, publicly non-traded or private, which if you know, if they're private, they're, they're exempt from registering with the SEC, not traded on the exchange, typically sold to a group of investors. They can be public non-traded, which is you still register with the SEC. You're not traded, so you can't go ahead and buy like a stock or a mutual fund or ETF. You have to go through a broker. And of course, if it's publicly traded, then you can actually go online and actually buy it, right? So it falls into each one of these specific categories. Now, how do you invest into a REIT? So if you're publicly traded, you know, you're bought and sold on the exchange and you can purchase the shares and a REIT through a broker, just as you would any stock, or you can invest in REIT through, like I said, an ETF or mutual fund, which allows you to go ahead and buy a basket of REIT instead of focusing on an individual one. If you want to invest in a publicly non-traded REIT, you actually can go through a company like Fundrise that allows you to actually buy REITs, but through some kind of a broker or financial advisor of some kind, but it's not traded on the exchange. So you can actually, you can't buy the individual company like you would if they're publicly traded. So there are some pros and cons, obviously. The pros, just to get into that first, if you're considering investing in REITs, 
you'll just want to know the benefits they can actually provide to you and your investment portfolio. So the number one, I think, is that they provide an opportunity to enter the real estate market without having to deal with the time, headache, or potentially expense of managing a physical property or sometime having to try to fight people to get you to pay, right? So that's number one, a way for you to get in the real estate business without actually being that guy who's buying the property, go through the process of buying the house and all the headache that comes with that. REITs can also be an excellent source of diversification, as I mentioned before, because they're largely unrelated to other markets and don't usually correlate with the ups and downs. And what that means is because REITs, in a way, is really more focused on real estate, if there's an issue, let's just say, with the technology sector, it doesn't affect REITs as all as much, right? Now, when you had the COVID crash in March of 2020-ish, everyone was affected, right? Most sectors were affected. Most stocks were affected because that's something that just affected the whole world and everybody at the same time. Now, some REITs benefited a lot, but at the same time, you can think of it in a certain way, like since REITs are dealing with commercial offices, suburban offices and retail offices, think about all the the business that went out, all the, the companies that went out of business, the malls. In 2020, most REITs are down. And I mean, in the negative double digits, right? But like almost everything, things will pick back up. And this obviously for me is bringing this up. It's an opportunity for you guys to look at REITs as a way to add diversification in your portfolio with a specific investment idea that will bounce back in 2021, 2022 and beyond because of the hits that it took in 2020. So when you have a diverse portfolio, it helps protect you against any risk during a market volatility. For example, last couple of weeks with some of the stuff that's been happening in the stock market, I'm sure REITs did not take that much of a hit, if at all, because they're not impacted by some of the issues that were affecting stocks, which was high yields and bonds, which were affecting a lot of the growth stocks specifically. So if you had a lot of that in your portfolio, you were in the red, the REITs are like, I'm not part of this game, so I'm good, right? So for those whose investment strategies are focused on generating income from their investments, So this will be obviously as you get a little bit older, but if you want to have certain assets in your portfolio that actually generate dividends because you want to be able to have that income, REITs can be an important portfolio asset. That's because they pay regular dividends, typically quarterly. All right. So REITs live on paying dividend. They have to pay dividend. So a lot of REITs have high yields. So by owning it, and depending on the amount of shares you have, it's a lot of dividends coming back to you every quarter. And you can either take that money as income, which I would say no, unless you're in retirement, or you take that money and reinvest it, which means once it's paid, it's reinvested inside the REIT. It's buying more of the REIT. It's compounding on top. And then the longer you have it, the more money you make, right? And those dividend yields are being paid out to you and growing with the appreciation of the price of the REIT. So if you bought a REIT at 25 bucks and then, you know, five years, it's at 50, right? You just made 50% in that five year appreciation off that REIT price and the dividend that you're getting. So all of those are adding up. So in those five years, everything is compounding and you keep doing that for five and another five, another five. But if you want to compare to investing in physical real estate properties, 
REITs just offer a lower risk investment opportunity. Just again, and I'm not arguing against buying real estate, like the buying a house and doing all that. It's all about providing options. If it's an option that you're looking for, there's some available. Because they're easily traded on the market and publicly traded REITs are far more liquid than actual properties, which again, can be quite difficult and time consuming to buy and sell, REITs are an option for you. And lastly, because they're regulated by the SEC and regularly audited, it's a very transparent investment. So you know what's actually happening with this particular read at all time. So let's talk about the negative or the cons. It's one thing to always remember that any and all investments are at some point or another risky at some level. Uh, and when it comes to REITs, you should just be aware that the ups and downs of the real estate market can influence the success of that investment. And REITs especially can be sensitive to rise or fall in the federal interest rate. So depending on what's actually happening with the Fed increasing or decreasing interest rate and how that impacts the real estate market, the REITs can be impacted either negative or positive due to that, right? One other drawback of REIT holdings is that while you can rely on regular earnings from dividend yield, you'll have to pay taxes on all those dividend earnings, which are taxed at regular income. So. I say that more so because there are different taxes, capital gains, short-term, long-term, but dividends themselves are a tax at regular income. So depending on your income bracket, and this is something you need to look at, they're going to be taxed. Those dividends that you're being paid are being taxed at that regular income tax. And since REITs must return at least 90% of the taxable income to their shareholders, only 10% is left to be reinvested to purchase new holdings. Meaning these investments typically don't provide much capital appreciation long term. So when it comes to REITs, sure, you're invested in the real estate market. You're getting a nice yield back that generates income for you. However, the REITs typically don't grow as much. So you might actually have a REIT that you basically bought at 25 and in five years from now, it's at 28 or 29 or 30 potentially. And you're like, oh my God, it grew. Yeah, but it grew slow. Now, it still grew, but it's flat really when you compare it to what you could actually get from stocks, right? But you have to understand why you're investing in REITs in the first place. One, because you're trying to get the high yield to generate income for you, specifically when you get older and you want to be able to get that dividend that's basically being paid out to you so you can live in retirement through dividend or because you want to diversify your portfolio so that way you're you're staying less risky, right? So those are some of the, the cons of REITs. So in essence, that's really REITs in its nutshell. Personally, I would not advise you to go out and try to find a REIT. You can always do your research, but as I've always talked about on this podcast, it is a lot easier, specifically if you're a beginner and, and you're trying to make things as easy as possible, to always look at things that provide the least amount of risk and easier for you to actually invest in. And with that, there are index funds or at least ETFs of REITs that you can actually invest in. That makes it a lot more easy for you to get into the market instead of trying to find an individual REIT. One of the biggest one out there and an actual really popular one is the Vanguard Real Estate ETF. 
The ticker symbol for it is V like Victor, N like Nancy, Q, VNQ. And basically, by being in this particular ETF, Vanguard is covering itself in all the equity REITs. It actually has a very low expense ratio, which is the fee that you're paying for having the fund being managed. It's 0.12. It's very, very small. And it's a way to be really diversified if you're actually trying to be in a specific REIT. Vanguard has one of the best ETFs in the marketplace. So it's actually a really good place to start if you wanted to get there. Just always do your own research. Make sure that you're looking at every information that comes with certain stocks or or whichever things that you're trying to get in so that you know what you're getting yourself into when you get yourself into it. The other thing with the Vanguard Real Estate ETF fund is that it has a yield of 3.8%. Okay. Basically, what does that mean? It means that if you have $10,000 invested in VNQ, every year you would get $380. So this would be the dividend that you're getting back. And again, you're probably thinking 380 bucks, but what did you do to earn that? You bought the ETF. The ETF, the fund is appreciating. By the way, just to give you some insight, VNQ's 52 week range, meaning what the price was at its lowest compared to what the price was or is at the highest was you could have bought that ETF at $55.58. That is the 52-week low. And then the high was $91.45. So talk about appreciation. So your money is growing and you're getting paid a dividend. So it's a good way to actually be in all of these different REITs without trying to figure out which REIT should I get. And if there's a REIT that's performing badly or that's going out, at least you know you have so many different REITs within that ETF, you're not impacted by one specific REIT doing bad or badly. So always stick to being in a basket of funds with almost anything first. If you want to dabble into individual stocks or individual REITs, always do your research to understand which one. And by the way, before I close this out, you can always look when you're researching ETFs or any type of index fund. So if you go to Yahoo Finance and you type in VNQ, it's going to pop up the ticker and all the information. There's typically a field or a link that talks about, you know, that shows a summary, that shows your chart, some historical data. But there's one that says holdings. And so if you click on holdings, it's actually going to tell you the top 10 holdings within that ETF. And that goes with any ETF or fund that you're looking at, because you need to know what is it that's making up the most of this particular fund that you have. And if you want, while you're pulling up, when you see these names, you can individually go look at some of these companies. And some of these are actually really big, and they're probably some of the bigger REITs out there. So if you ever wanted to own individual REITs, You could also look and say, what are the REITs that are predominantly at the top of some of these ETFs that are actually making the REIT perform well? And this is a way for me to buy an individual REIT. But again, if you ever wanted to see which stocks or REITs or bonds or commodities that make up a specific ETF, you can always look at the holding that tells you what those are. So I wanted to bring that up just because in social media, there's been some conversation on the backstage in regards to what about investing in real estate. I don't have the capital to go ahead and buy, you know, property and so forth. 
How can I make sure that I'm building wealth through diversification in real estate, but without actually being able to buy a property? And this is, this is definitely a way. So just look at REITs, do your research, understand them. And then if you ever wanted to get in the market, go ahead and buy yourself a REIT ETF that will help protect you from, from any one specific REIT if there's ever any issues. So the episode for today, hope you guys enjoyed it. Just know some news about not only the podcast, but as my Instagram page is, is growing, thank you for the support. Everybody's going on the Instagram page and commenting and going in my DMs and leaving notes. I've created an Excel template for people to be able to go out and use. There's a credit repair guide or ebook within my Instagram that you can actually go ahead and purchase and use. By the end of the week, there's going to be an investing guide, 70 pages that I've been working on the past couple of months for new investors that you'll be able to go ahead and get as well. I want to be able to provide a variety of different tools to help you, not investment ideas, but a way to create a financial goal for yourself to help you put in the best situation. So should be able to have that more. The Instagram page is don't be broke, be woke. Go ahead and Give me a follow, like some of the posts, comment, share, appreciate the support, appreciate your fans. As always, remember, don't be broke, try to stay woke. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.